0: We are in this series entitled Living Well Together, and we found ourselves last week looking at living with gentleness, and today we look at living with compassion, and we realize that the world in which we live isn't living well together. We are not participating with others. We are are not supporting other organizations and groups, and and we find ourselves very disjointed, not, not together. In fact, seeing others is quite different. The world is not a unifying place. And so we look and we wonder, okay, why is this important? Why is it important for us to come to this understanding and this realization that that more than just Pittman Park living well together, because that's pretty important, I think, that, that we come together in this understanding of us, the body of Christ, living well together with gentleness, with compassion, but we can be part of the world and in bringing others to that same understanding. I look at this passage of Scripture and and Jared and I kind of jokingly said that whoever was putting the chapters and verses together just fell asleep because I think chapter 5 probably should begin at the end of this passage of Scripture today, not 5 verse 2. But anyway, that's just a thing. But but you look and you see little snippets, little phrases within this passage of Scripture that stand out as, as rules and that's the title of this passage, rules for the new life. So they're simple. They're things that you could jot down, that you could put on a a wooden, reclaimed wood and hang it up in your house if you wanted to. But it's speak the truth. Be angry, but do not sin. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. Put away all bitterness, anger, wrath, slander, malice, be kind to one another, forgiving one another, be imitators of God, live in love. Those are great things that you could just hang up in your house, right? And that would be wonderful if this was what you woke up to and went home and it was your phrase in your household. But I look at this and I realize that we don't do this. Those of us in this room, it's not the collective we of the world, it's those of us here and now, we don't do these things. And yet we come here today and want to be taught and want God to guide us, and this is how God is guiding us. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be a Christian. But we've got to be it. One of my favorite movies is The Wizard of Oz, or I guess plays, stories, and the characters, each of them all lament wanting something. If I only had a brain, if I had a heart, a home, a nerve, courage. But I think the if I only is really if I only were. It's not a question of having the thing or the circumstance, it's the longing of being. The scarecrow wants a brain, but really he wants to be a smarter person. The tin man wants a heart, but the desire is to be an emotionally whole person. Dorothy wants to go home. But could this be her way of saying she wants to be a person who's maybe less impulsive or a person who makes better decisions or thinks through consequences of choices? The lion wants nerve to be a courageous person. And so these characters are on this journey to seek the wizard, the mystical, magical place that's going to give them everything they need, right? And instead of looking to how they were created... And the people that were around them and how God is using their situation, they think that they could find the answer in something else. But the wizard just places them in danger and merely points out the obvious. They've already found what they're looking for. They found it in who God created them to be and it brought out in caring for each other supporting one another and seeking each other through trials and mentoring and inspiring one another that they have come so far. You know, I think that that's what we are all trying to be. We want to be like Jesus, but we're just saying that if I only had a brain. We want to live this life, but God is calling us out of the want and into being and to doing, to live well together. We have to live into what God has called us to be, to live in to the gentleness, to live in to the compassion that he's put in us and around us and to be used by him. There's a a book, The Way of Transforming Discipleship, and the quote in that book says, I have a hunch that if Jesus were to walk down the streets of your town or city today, he would look around at all those who are isolated and disconnected and say something like this. Come to me, all you who want to belong, and I will give you a table to sit around. Come to me, all you who feel disconnected, Come to me, all you who are lonely, cut off, rejected, and marginalized. Come to me. Come home. Come. Be part of this family that I want to share with you. See, Jesus is speaking the words of come. Be like me. Invite them in. Come to the table Jesus is scoffed at so many times for, for eating with sinners and prostitutes and, and and tax collectors and all those that are seen as, as evil and outside and not clean, but that's where Jesus was. And so our scripture today and it tells us to imitate Christ. We imitate his heart, his life, his compassion. So in looking at our scripture and those, those little snippets, those rules for life, truth and be angry but do not sin, truth and love. A lot of times we say truth is over here and love is on this side and they don't come together very well. We tend to say that this is fact, this is fiction, this is truth. There is no sugar coating it. This is what it is. But I think truth and love are not mutually exclusive. Now, there's probably a time when love should prevail, especially when the lady leaves the beauty shop and she's got a new style and she says, Doesn't it look good? And because her gritted teeth, you're like, Yes. <laughs> that may be where you lean more toward love. But I think truth isn't this heavy-handed papa here to lay down the discipline. Real truth sets us free. Truth invites. Truth locks hands with grace and kisses love and outlasts all the fashionable Facebook rants and fear-baiting rhetoric. Truth can speak in compassion with the love of Christ. So I don't think it's a coincidence that we're called to speak truth. And just a few sentences later, a few words later the scripture says, do not let anger become the occasion for sin. The church where we are should be a place where the truth can be spoken. The difficult truth about our world and about ourselves and the gracious truth about the God who has redeemed us. However, we're rather skilled in using self-justifying excuse of speaking the truth as a cover for our efforts to manipulate or retaliate or tear others down. We live in a world that says, This is my truth, and I'm right. And there are times when not being angry would be a sin. There should be anger against all the effects of injustice and oppression, both inside and outside the church. I stood here a year ago today, I believe, Fear and trembling as I spoke out against white supremacy and the acts that happened in Charlottesville tragedy. And I stand here today with the fear still within me but knowing I can be angry about what has taken place and how little that has been done in our world to remedy these problems. I think we ought to look and maybe even step out in faith as we come to the table and conversation with others. Heather Hires, who was killed during the protest in Charlottesville a year ago, her mother gave this quote to news organizations shortly after the events had transpired. She said, I think all groups need to start talking to each other. Stop the punching, stop the kicking. Once you've thrown a punch, once you've thrown a kick, once you've hurled a rock, you've become irrational. I'm looking for honest and painful discussion about what's bothering everybody because that's the bottom line. We're all bothered. So let's figure out what the source of that pain and hurt and anger are. You see, I think we can be the facilitators in those conversations. I think we can look at the world and we can see where injustice, where oppression, where racism and bigotry still exist, and we can begin the conversations to bring reconciliation to this world. We can be angry, and again, we don't sin. We bring the gentleness that God is putting within. We bring the compassion of heart for wanting change. and We come as God's servants, urging all into this kingdom of God. Even though some anger may be justified, we should not read verse 26 as an excuse to feel angry. It's not just an excuse to say, well, I'm angry and that's it, bottom line. We don't need to feed or nurture that anger because there's a few verses later in verse 31, we're to put away all anger. We're called to speak the truth but not to let whatever anger we experience linger or fester because we belong to one another. We may not be able to avoid anger And indeed, there are times when anger is not only understandable but appropriate, but we also ought to recognize that anger is disruptive and can quickly become corrosive to the community that God is calling us forth. The United Methodist Church finds itself in a unique spot right now. And conversations are happening. One of those will be on August 20th about the commission on the way forward. And decisions are going forward. And there are all sides, even within the pastoral setting of which I'm hearing. And unfortunately, anger is one of those among many of our clergy. And I see how anger just grows. And instead of it turning into something where you hear each other out, instead of having the moment of anger but realizing God is calling me to step out and do, it just festers, it grows. And I think right now we, in our world, not just the church, This time leads for a mass movement of compassion. The urgent need coincides with the goal of Christ following life, for unless our faith makes us compassionate, I think it can hardly be called Christian. Following after Jesus means moving out of our privatized, isolated, self-enclosed worlds into this compassionate engagement with our suffering neighbor. As we open ourselves up to this pilgrim experience, we journey. We journey away from self-centeredness to compassion May you and I become everyday pilgrims whom God can use to bring healing to a broken world. And we are trying to do that at Pittman Park. I know sometimes reading the announcements at the beginning of the service seems a bit redundant. A bit, you know, self appealing to what we are within ourselves. But I look at this list of announcements and how outside this church they are. Open table is this opportunity for us to invite all. Money should never stop someone from coming to a meal and fellowship within the doors of Pittman Park. And so we open up our doors, we open up the tables, and we extend the reach. Now, we're going to challenge y'all a little bit because we like sitting by the people we like, right? But I think this open table fellowship will allow us to sit and to visit and to fellowship with people we may never, ever share a meal with. We pray that God would open our hearts to experience his love and compassion in those times. I look at our blood drive and how vital this ministry is and how it's started just this this inspiration by a student and she asked others to come alongside and we've had several blood drives now and it provides life for the people in this community. and then Habitat for Humanity. We know people need a home. To need comfort of a roof over their heads something that they can call theirs and how this organization provides that for many and how we can be just a small part in doing that. We are reaching outside to be the hands and feet of God and speaking compassion into people's lives in ways we may never have thought of. But God is using us along this journey as part of our pilgrimage to grow in Christ, so rather than taking from others, the members of this church, we are called to work so that we all can pass something along to others, to the poor and needy. Thieves must give up stealing, rather, than let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy let no evil talk come out of your mouth but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear you find yourself in a place here and now where we can go into the world where you do you leave from here and you go to lunch You leave from here and you go to work. You leave from here and you go to organizations and committees and to groups and to to settings where you interact with people on a daily basis. And you can lock eyes or you can look down and keep pushing. But God is calling us in this spirit of compassion. Henry Nouwen, maybe one of my favorite authors, and in his book, The Way of the Heart, he has this quote. Let us not underestimate how hard it is to be compassionate. Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to the place where they are weak, vulnerable, lonely, and broken. But this is not our spontaneous response to suffering. What we desire most is to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. As busy, active, relevant ministers in the world, we want to earn our bread by making a real contribution. This means, first and foremost, doing something to show that our presence makes a difference. And so we ignore our greatest gift, which is our ability to enter into solidarity with those who suffer. We can make a difference. Pittman Park, I lovingly refer to y'all as Pittman Park peeps, can make a difference. We can extend the reach. We can invite others in. We can provide in ways and needs and circumstances. We can reach out with the love of God. We can live well together. And we can live well together with the world around us. With those that are so different from us. And we can share the compassion that God has given us. You can live with compassion. And I challenge you to go this day, the blessing of the day that you've been given, and share that compassion. And look at each day, each moment as you wake tomorrow and the coming week and the struggles you may experience, but you can set that in motion with love and others as we live together. And as God's gentleness and compassion rests on us, we become imitators of God and live in love. Will you join me as we pray? Oh God, you come to us now and may we become single-minded in compassion just as others may be in fear and hate and violence and hard-heartedness. Speak to us in love that we may be a blessing with with regard to to what people live and deserve and how you've called them in your own image. May we love indiscriminately and be a people who will truly begin world-changing power in your grace. Lord, we see those who have no hope May they take heart in you, O Christ. May those with no home find shade in your right hand. May those near the end see the beginnings in you, O God. And then may those at the last become first. For we find ourselves at the foot of your cross, O God, who is wonderful and majestic in all we come in prayer. Be our help. Be our hope. Be our gentleness and compassion and speak to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.